Welcome to another episode of Living an Ultra Life, and today I am joined by one of my favorite runners in the Hampton Roads area that I heard of long, long ago, John Price, and this is going to be a blast. So, John, you ready to go for a run? Oh, I guess so. If I you have guess to. so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, John, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you did before you started running these wild, outlandish runs and races just for the hell of it. Well, I... I ran long before I started doing ultras and weird stuff and everything. And uh, I actually started running to lose weight back when I was in the Navy. I, uh, well, going back even far in high school, I had an accident in gym class. We were doing wrestling and uh, somebody I was put back two years. So he's a lot bigger than me. And I tried flipping him and I ended up breaking my neck. Wow. Um, and ended up spending the rest of the day in school still and went home and, End up going to a hospital, and I was two weeks in traction and uh, two months in a full body cast from the top of my head to the bottom of my uh, hips. Wow. And then another two months in a neck brace. So I went from being a skinny little dude that was always, you know, we lived on a 60-year farm. I was always running in the backfields and the woods and stuff to being totally sedentary. And parents kept on feeding me just like normal, so I put on tons of weight. <laughs> so where did you grow uh, up? Uh, northeastern Ohio. I was born in central Pennsylvania, but parents moved out when I was a baby. And we kept on going back there for visiting and camping and stuff. So I still consider myself a Pennsylvanian in okay. some respects. But Did you join the Navy right out of high school? Or? Yeah, right out of high school. You know, small town high school. Basically, we were dirt poor, basically. Okay. Both my parents worked, which back then, that was unusual. You know, this is in the early 70s. Okay. They gave us no help at all as far as you know what our options were so i i knew i've seen so many of my classmates just hang you know the ones previous to me and everything just hang around doing nothing so the navy at the time had this program called advanced electronics program that if you signed up for six years you automatically got their advanced school when you went in as an e3 in 71 oh that's awesome with automatic promotion d4 midway through the schooling so i said Signed me up, you know, there it was you two years, you know. That's awesome. And uh, I really liked it. it. It gave me a career for life and everything. You yep. know, I only spent six years in the Navy, but, you know, I worked commercial six years after that and then went into civil service. And it did me good. That's and, awesome. Uh, so, so did you retire from civil service? Uh, yeah, I retired from civil service in 2010, October 2010. Okay. The end of the pay period after my 56th birthday and everything. And then I did my first, well, I did one ultra- yeah, I did a few ultras there, yeah. My first ultra was when I was still in Texas working commercial with, you know, one of the friends and everything. He did ultras and stuff. They had a couple in there in Texas back then, and I did this one in Dallas, uh, north of Love Field, which is the, you know, secondary airport there. And uh, it was a 5K loop around uh, Bachman Lake and 50-miler. And, uh, yeah, I ran, I don't know, 729, something wow. like that, first ultra. And for 50 miles. So Yeah. So something of, most people don't know about you is you've put up some pretty stout time. Uh, in your yeah, I've, I've run 651 for 50 miles. Uh, oh, no, 637. Sorry. <laughs> Gave my, cut myself short there. <laughs> I was there, say, you, know? you just you know, added 14 minutes, And I was minutes, a 251 <laughs> marathoner. So, you know, I, I had some decent speed at the time. I've got about five or six sub 37 10Ks and... Um, two dozen sub 18 5k so but back then we had a lot more fast runners in the area so I still rarely won my age group even right. 
But, you know, I'd finish top 10, you know, in the race and stuff. It was a different atmosphere back then. It was more, um, they're more into the partying thing here these days, it seems like, you know, which is fine. You get into it for what you like, you know, as long as you're out there moving, you know, it's all good. Exactly. So So how many ultra marathons do you think you have done in your career? I haven't added up lately, but I'm probably a little bit over 200. And I've done probably about 150 marathons, I think. So about 350 combined marathon wow. ultras. That's yeah. amazing. There's people that have done tons more and everything. But how like, how did you hear about your first ultra marathon, the one you did in Texas? It was just word of mouth because they didn't have the internet back then. Exactly. So what's the biggest name ultra that you've done? Probably comrades. Okay. Um, I had there. There was like there was like three or four worldwide prestigious races I always wanted to do. Went London to Brighton, back before it became a trail thing and stuff. The original London Brighton and comrades were the top of my list, and I did both those. JFK was kind of up there, and I've done it JFK about seventeen times. Oh my gosh! Okay, so, I did not realize that. Yeah, I've run my second fastest trail race there. I ran like a seven twenty. 728 or 732, I can't remember which one it was. So when was the first multi-day type uh, of thing that you did? Yeah, 2007. And actually, it was the year I entered Barkley. Um, and I got in, and uh, but I also found out about his Vol State race. 10 or 15 people started it. And so I entered that in 2007 also. And, so you ran uh, Barkley's and Vol State in 2007? Yeah, yeah. Barkley first. So I was fairly confident, and then I decided to. I started on Valentine's Day. And, this is your first transcon. Yeah, in 2011. Okay. And uh, I picked a route that was easy to navigate. I okay. US 60 the whole way. US 60 go. ends at the end of the boardwalk in Virginia Beach, and did it. Enjoyed That's the trip. Amazing. Went. Took my time. Yeah. You know, I, I was still did a really good time for most people. I mean, it wasn't nowhere near a record time or anything, right. but it was I had zero days off for the first two of them I did. The wow. third one, I finally had two different days off besides the, the one break I had to have. Which and how many miles do you average a day? Uh, the first time I did, I averaged 35 a day. The second time, I averaged 38 a day. So I went... First time, 87 days. The second time was 80 days okay. total. So, But I... I kind of gave myself a minimum of a 50K, 31 a day. If I wanted to stay at a motel, you know, I had to be above that, you know, and most times I stuck to that. Okay. So so now what all do you carry in your stroller? It's varied, but no cooking gear, nothing like that. Okay. Um, I start off, I would have, like I would have a medium weight long sleeve, a lightweight long sleeve, another short sleeve. One pair of running shorts. I normally went with what well, like I got on now is uh, their real rider. Um, right, just because of all the pockets. Pocketed yeah. uh, kind of shorts and stuff. And they're really comfortable. They're made for hiking, basically. So they're nice and airy. And I use those. But I would have a, I'd pack one long pant, warmer pant, and plus a rain suit, you yeah. know, complete rain suit. And then, of course, spare lights and stuff like that. That was kind of critical for me and some batteries and stuff uh food water i did carry a, a tire pump okay um but not much more than that i mean i i had i started off the first time with a tent a one person tent really small fairly easy to put up unfortunately 
especially going across the because I started, you know, like I said, Valentine's Day full right. time. You know, it's the middle's winter and it gets really cold in the desert overnight. And uh, um, but the nice part is it doesn't get above 65, 70 most right. days. Right, so you're not hitting the heat. So, yeah. um, but the problem was taking the tent down. It, it would get dude covered at overnight, and I couldn't take it down with my gloves on. So I, you know, I'd get my f- hands soaked, and it was, you know, like 29, 30 degrees outside yeah. with my hands soaked. That's and, not you know, it took me, you know, I'd get it taken down by the time, it, you know, it took me a while to take it down. And uh, my hands would be so frozen, and I'd put them back in my, you know, gloves to take off, and it took me a while to warm them back up. And, uh, and I finally f- said, heck with this, you know, and uh, I ended up, I had a tarp. I don't know why I had it with me to begin with. I picked it up. I, I really don't remember, but I had a nice size tarp and I, I ended up folding it in half right. and tying the corner together at the bottom. And I would lay that out and I'd put the bottom over and, and fasten it to the wheel on the bottom and then end up top part of it i take over the top of my handlebar right and uh made like a lean-to exactly a, you know, yeah. a v-shaped lean-to yeah and i put the v part of it into the wind as much as i could and then i just get in there and it's quite comfortable i was gonna know? say sounds most of the time it didn't rain so it didn't yeah. matter but it would have been okay in the rain um i don't think i ever stayed out in complete rain in this thing you know but um i just throw my sleeping bag in there it'd take me you know 30 seconds to set up 30 seconds to take down and I could take it down with my gloves on. That's awesome. So cool. um, You know, so that's what I went for sleeping. I had a, you know, 30 degree sleeping bag, air pillow. The second time I had the sleeping bag, plus I had a sleeping bag liner to give a little extra protection and stuff. And that's basically it, you know. Um, so what's your mindset as you're doing this? Because I mean, it's not easy to oh, do 35 to 38 miles a day. So well, I'm not. I'm not. I have no time constraints. Right. I, I like to start two hours before sunrise is my general, uh, and most nights I go till after sunset. And okay. I think sometimes three or four hours after sunset, I spend. 16, 18 hours out there. Depends on the roads and stuff a and lot. And that's how and you I'm did Swami's this year too, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is Swami, you got time limits and I'm so out of shape, you know. But but still, you spend the time out there and you cover. I actually was three hours faster this year. I'd miss my goal of getting under six, under five days, but I was still close enough to it and everything. I had a really bad next to last night and everything, you know. Okay. What happened next to last night? No, I was just slow. Okay. You know, nothing really happened. I never had any problems the whole time, you know. And just going across the country, I I never really had a serious injury. The first year going through Oklahoma, I started getting um, leg soreness, leg injury, basically. I was starting to come on, and I took two days of cutting it short at 20, 22 miles okay. and icing down my legs. And after that, I was fine, and I kept on going. I never really had an injury going across right. there, per se. You know, I just had enough of a scare there that I took a couple of easy days, right? And, and that was it. I never took a day off. So, um, so most interesting places you've slept on these multi-day things? The funniest kind of, yeah, it was a little bit interesting, but it's kind of funny is I stopped on the first year going through... Arizona? Yeah, Arizona. East of Phoenix. I came up. You, you got this tunnel that you go through. And the first year was 
horrible because it, it must have been a holiday weekend. Oh, so cars other, just zipping through. Oh, man. It, and it was like two-lane. And I swear it was two-lane. And it turns out when I went through the second time, I was completely wrong in my memory of it. Okay. But it was... Uh, I thought there was like a like a walking, like almost a elevated type thing. Right. But it wasn't wide enough for my stroller. Right. So I had to go down in road service. Well, it turns out that was totally wrong. It, it actually was all road level. It was just that there was almost no shoulder. Oh, and, wow. And it had traffic, heavy traffic both ways. So I just, you know, I put every light that I had on a, on a stroller and I had couple in my hands right and i'd just be going down there waving going through there and you know people always talk about how bad drivers they were excellent that's awesome and most times across country i mean there's a few exceptions you get those people that you know aim for you even right but uh, most of the time they see you and they give you warning as long as they see you but anyway i was waving it like that and they'd slow down People coming the other way would slow down and move over, let them move oh, over amazing. and stuff wow. like that. And this is about a half mile long tunnel. Wow. Maybe a little bit longer. You know, so I made it through there and it was getting late in the day and after I got out it opens up and there's a pullover on both sides of the road and I come up there, I decided to take a break to pull over there, so and there's Two or three motorcyclists there that they had rented Harleys. They were from L.A. They rent Harleys, come out and do a little drive okay. and everything. And I met them there and talked to them for a while. And it was already starting to get dark. I said, man, I'm tired. I'll just stop here. And the other side of the road looked better for finding a place sort of the hide. So I went over there, and they had a line of bushes. And I pulled in beside in those line of bushes and set my stuff up. And, uh, you know, I slept there tonight. It was great. Next day, I continue on. I got all the way down to Globe, which is where I turned to go the second longest section without aid. Uh, it was like 86 miles. Okay. I thought 86 miles because the map didn't show anything. Turned out there was, you know, like 15, 20 miles from Sholo, which is next town. Uh, there was a little Indian store there. Oh, wow. And uh, actually, it was not. It was on Indian territory, but I don't think it was run by Indian. But anyway, you know, there was one there and I didn't know about it. But anyway, I started out of Globe, started up there, and it was pretty dark. So I was just going to go up there four or five miles and camp. And uh, I get my, maybe an hour, a mile out of town, and I can see a reflection on the back of signs on the other side, blue lights. So, <laughs> and, and that's the thing that gets you, you know, mentally it starts to get to you. Right. Police, but I'll talk about that later, maybe. Um, but anyway, I see the blue lights and say, oh, wow. And the policeman pulls up in front of me on the other side and he just pulls over with his left of lights on and comes walking back to me. And real nice guy. He was, he was Native American Indian and stuff okay. and everything. And, uh, you know, so he come talk to me. I told him I was doing it and, and he, he's interested and he talks about it and stuff. And uh, he says, uh, you know, I asked him about, you know, if there's, if it's okay to camp up there, oh yeah, you know, it says, um, he says, because people will tell you that you can't go through there, it's Indian reservation, you can't even go through there. And he says, no, so that's not right. He says, you can go through there, technically, well, almost anywhere in the U.S., you're not allowed to camp on the side of the road. Right. You know, it's not legal. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be an Indian reservation. But anyway, uh, people do it. And uh, just like, you know, almost around here, they, no one cares. But anyway, um, he told me, he says, this is a U.S. route. It's 
there's right away for he told me it's like 100 foot either side of the center line 50 foot maybe um and so as pedestrian you are allowed to go through there you know okay the they can't stop you uh, but anyway he said oh yeah I saw you last night at Top of the World, which is where the exit of the tunnel. I saw you camped off the side and everything. That was a pretty good sight, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, my God. He was on his way home from work and everything, and he lived up there. But That's so, awesome. So that was one of my more interesting stories about it. And everything, yeah. But. You, you've had a couple good encounters with police. Yeah, a couple there. good. And really out of, out of my, well, four counting the north to the south crossing, I've only had bad encounters maybe twice. Right. And most of those, I kind of stood my ground and I was okay. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one woman was coming into Phoenix, state patrolman. I mean, it was four lane. You know, it's not one that most people would suggest you go on, you know. But it had adequate shoulders and stuff and everything. It was actually pretty nice shoulders and stuff. And a police officer pulled over and he says, you're not out on this road. You have to get off. And I said, well, what route can I take? He said, I don't, you know, I don't know. And I said, there's no way, no other way. How, how am I supposed to go to it? And, you know, he said, no. I said, this is not a limited access road. It's a legal road. It's not posted otherwise. He said, no, no, you're not allowed on this. This is, this is four lane divided. And I said, no, no, you know, state law says that, that it's open and it's not a limited access. The only restriction is on limited access. And, and finally he called his, his desk sergeant, basically, and his desk sergeant confirmed what I said. And he came back and he apologized to me. Oh, wow. You know, he actually awesome. apologized to me. He says, I, I normally cruise the interstate and everything. That's my main coverage. I'm just covering somebody's here. And it looks to interstate to me, and I treat it like interstate. And then, you know, you're right. So, you know, sorry. But, you know, it was looking pretty bad for a while. Right. I mean, there was no way around it, basically. Yeah, I was going to say, so if you get yeah. stopped like that, I mean, what do yeah. you do? Uh, okay, yeah. great. <laughs> where, yeah. where do I right. go from here? And I'm on my feet. Treat them politely, and you're not going to have problems. And exactly. But, but most of them, I mean, I had police officers going across east of 29 Palms. I had police officers come pulling up parks in front of me, you know, 40, 50 yards Hops out of his vehicle with a bottle of water and says, hey. Oh, know? that's awesome. And that happens a lot. You yeah. Because they, they carry, you know, especially across the desert, they carry, you know, spare water and stuff all the yeah. time. And he says, hey, what, what are you doing, going across the country? I said, yeah. <laughs> and most awesome. of them, you know, because US 60 is a fairly common route, you know, and, and also that state route 62 in California is one of the most popular routes, you know. So they're used southern to routes, people. you know. Yeah. yeah. But... You know, I had so many of those. I had one guy, an interesting stop was, I think it was in New Mexico. And I'm coming in this town, and it was looking bad, you know, bad weather coming okay. in, you know, and I could tell. And I was, you know, like four miles out from this small town that called ahead and got a motel reservation. It, it was only motel in town, you know. And half time, it doesn't even show up on the maps and stuff. And right. It's a pretty small thing. And, uh, I was hurrying to get there, and uh, it, it was looking horrible. It was horrible, actually. And I had this police officer pull up, and he, he hops out. He said, ah, what you doing, going across the country? <laughs> yeah. He says, you know, we got severe storms coming here, a lot of hell, a lot of, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, they reported possible tornadoes and stuff wow. like this. 
and you know it, it's looking pretty bad, you know. And I said, yeah, I look back and said, yeah, it does. And so we started talking about what I'm doing and stuff. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm going to stop up there. I'm just trying to get there before it comes in and everything. And you know, but anyway, he says, you mind if I get a picture with you? That's awesome. <laughs> so we get. Wow. I says, only if you uh, let me take one with you. And I told him how I wanted to do it. So, you know, we took a selfie and stuff like that. And then he took my camera. And my requirement was that I wanted to be hands up. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, and, uh, you, know, I, you know, I spread eagle up against this car. And he took a picture of me and stuff. That and is everything. awesome. And, you know, so we, you know, this is all taking less than two minutes probably. Yeah. Because, you know, I was in a hurry. And, he, you know, he says, told me, yeah, I, you know, at this time I had probably less than three miles to go. And I said, yeah, I got to get going. And I ran the whole three miles. And, uh, which doesn't happen much there. And, um, you know, he says, hey, if you need a problem or if you don't get there in time, it starts raining. Just dial 911. It comes right into our office. It doesn't go into some center. That's it comes awesome. right into our office. Even tomorrow when you leave, if you need if you need some supplies, you know, just give us wow. a call. You know? People are good. And, yeah. I mean, how many people are going to tell you dial 911 just to exactly. you know, yeah. get some water, you know? Yeah. That is amazing. That <laughs> and, is amazing. Uh, so so you've, written, you've written a book, right? No, no. No? The book that is on... Amazon is strictly in, in, in yes I did right it's basically an information thing for Ball State okay. I, I, I compiled a lot of the turn sheet the maps uh, services listing okay. of, of the permanent services along the way um, and I did a couple things for beginners you know like what you should carry what my opinion of what you should carry what you shouldn't carry and, you know this kind of stuff and it's a little five by seven paperback it's probably maybe 100 120 pages and most over half that is the maps and the maps suck on it but it's really kind of hard to get an online mapping thing that you can print out um, but your tips your tips about what to carry and everything i know i bugged you at the january race and you know karen's january race yeah, what should i have every single one of your tips were right on i mean for my first foray into these multi-day things your tips are lifesavers well most people think they need more than they need right less is better and that's why i tell people i mean going ball state you need water actually need to have you know like a credit card license swami i forgot my license but oh, no, okay. so i was worried about getting to motels and i say you know like gotten through Expedia and stuff so right. I, you know really didn't need my ID but you know you need driver's license credit card I, ATM card for me I carry my medical card insurance card I mean basically that stuff and some cash some things need more cash than others you know and uh, so basically that and you need a phone and yep. the phone is you have to check in exactly you know? and it's also good for checking where it is if you stay off your phone you don't need charging another thing I delete my Facebook app if I'm going across the country, okay. and I access Facebook through through the oh, web browser. Okay. Yeah, because once you close the web browser, it goes away. If you're using the app, it's on all the all time because it's always checking for updates, all yep. the stuff and everything, and which drains battery. So if you do that, and like in Ball State, after you check in, either turn off your phone or go into full airplane mode without yep. re-enabling your Wi-Fi or anything. But it's best just to turn it off. I mean, now I can see, you know, first timers, if you're going through a town which has a few turns, turn it on, 
you have the GPX file on there locally, not having access to the internet for it. That way you can do airplane mode and do your GPX file through town. You get out the other side, you know how far it is to the next turn. It might be 10, might be 80 miles away. Right. So look to see how far the next one is. You have no about how long it's going to take you to get there. Don't turn on your phone until you get within half an hour, an hour of that, and then go in there and check and double check to just remind you and keep it in airplane mode. Yep. Yeah. If you do that, you don't. You can go two, three days without charging your phone. Yeah. You can go a third of the way across, halfway across without charging your phone. Don't worry about it. Let's finish up with what's on John Price's 2023 schedule. Okay, I, I'm coming up. Well, I'm doing a local half marathon here next, this weekend. You know, so I do all distance. I try to do three or four or five Ks a year at least. So going past that, one of my favorite races ever, and I'll post this, is a road race. It's another Laz race, but it's one of his few standard type races. Is Strolling Jim 40. It's actually 41.2 because he, it's been going since the early 80s. Okay. And just like Vol State and Barkley. Um, so Strolling Jim 40 uh, is War Trace, Tennessee, which the last two miles of that course and the first mile and quarter of that course is on the Vol State course. Um, I first ran it in, I think it was 91, um, right when I was PR type shape, everything I ran. Uh, they have different shirts. They have a gold shirt for sub five hours, blue shirt for sub six, and red shirt for sub seven. Well, I went in 91. I got a blue shirt. I ran 5.55 even, and which is pretty decent pace. It's a very hilly course. And I didn't go back to for another eight or nine years. Okay. And so I, then I started going back regularly. And I have never been able to get that, get the red shirt. But anyway, it's a favorite race of mine, and I'll go and do that. I'm actually not driving back from there. I'm driving back as far as Knoxville, parking my car at the airport there and flying to Great Britain. I'm flying into um, Glasgow, and I'm returning from London, from Heathrow. But I'm flying there to do what's called a joggle. Joggle's initials for John O'Groth's to Land's End. They do have a race on there, but, you know, you really even have a chance to make cutoffs. You really have to be pretty decent. I'm decades past that point. But I do it as an individual, and that's a big thing over there. It's kind of like Transcon here, but much more popular. Multi-modes of transportation, anything from skateboards to roller skates to bicycles to motorcycles to tricycles. Wow. You name it. Cars. And what kind of trail is it? Is it it's all, not a trail. It's, it's road. pavement. It's, it's all, all okay. It's you can do it any route you want. You just have to start John O'Groth's, which is the northern tip of Scotland, and end at Land's End, which is the southwest tip of England. And uh, you know my route is about 860 miles. So anyway, I'm going to go over to do that. And when I f- fly back, you know, landing at Knoxville again, uh, I'm going to go straight to running Hots, which is okay. part of the South race, another Laz race. And uh, this year is supposedly 351 miles. So I'm going to do that. I'm doing a triple crown of Laz races, open road races this year, journey run races. Uh, so you're going to do the third circle of hell. Yeah, I'm doing third circle. I'm okay. already entered. But, uh, and so I finished that. And then I got Arfta, uh, a race for the ages. It's handicapped by age. You get a minimum of 40 hours, but you get the number of hours of however old you are. So if you get over, if you're over 40, you get more time. Okay. And so I'll be 68 at the time. So I have 68 hours. 
And my main goal is to get over 100 miles in 48 hours. Okay. Because uh, there's a guy, but he's a longtime statistician over ultras, and he was a big ultra runner himself. He keeps his lists, and one of the lists he keeps is longevity and 100-mile finishes from your first 100-mile finish to your most recent. Uh, the record's up in 40-some years, and uh, the minimum to get on the list is 30 years. Okay. And I've been on the list for a few years now. Uh, I had I didn't do it last year, so I, I want to break 48 hours for the 100 there. And uh, right now I'm at 33-plus years, 33 and a half years, something like that. So if I finish it this year, I'll be up around 35 okay. years. And that's kind of my goal. And I really don't have anything planned after that. I probably want to go back to do uh, Charleston 100-miler because I didn't have to last year. But, of course, I'll do uh, First Landing State Park since right. you know I, I'm one of the four that have done it every year. I'll do that until I no longer finish it. Yep. You know. That is awesome. So that's... Longevity. Longevity, man. Yeah, I, I'm you slow as can be, but so I can long. still be out there day after day after day after day. Yeah. The mileage comes down a little bit. You know, in next year, hopefully beginning of February, I plan on going across the country again. And I still got the goal of breaking 80 days. Last year, I missed it by half a day. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us. And I think this is, I'm still just amazed. At well, what I, I want to see you at Hosterval State. And All then right. when you get ready for your transcon, let me know and I'll help you. You got it. You got it. Thanks, John. Yep. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultra Life.